Hello, and welcome to the Crude Report, Argus podcast series on global crude oil markets. My name is Tom Reed, and today we're looking at oil markets through the prism of China. And joining us, we have Li Xiang. Miss Li is our lead crude analyst in Beijing. And I think it's really interesting time to be looking at the Chinese market in particular, because, of course, we're now at a point where there are potentially three very, very promising vaccines which could be on the market by around Christmas and potentially a global inoculation program underway in the first quarter. And China was the first country to emerge from lockdown back in April and, and is potentially, you know, a very useful leading indicator and a pattern for how oil markets the world over will uh, develop over the next few months. But I think first, I think it would be very interesting to get a view from you, Xiang, on what's going on in China, what life is like there at the moment, because China's economic recovery has been very impressive since the end of lockdown in Wuhan in April. Has life entirely returned to normal over there now? Yes, life has almost returned to normal over here. And thanks to the good control of the coronavirus by the government. And you see, we just come back from the Shanghai conference and it's very safe. Although we all wear masks, but, you know, it's very safe. And a lot of people attend the conference and it has succeeded. So apparently it's Every people think it's very uh, safe to stay here and uh, they have to start to travel again domestically. I mean, that is amazing from me sitting in London listening to that. We haven't traveled for (laughs) months and months. Am I right in thinking that's not because of a vaccination program? That's because of the government's track and trace system through apps like WeChat, where the government can see where you are and if you've been to an affected area. Yeah, yeah, we have a trace system that could track where we have been in the past days. And if someone is affected by the coronavirus, they will be quarantined and the rest of the country will carry out smoothly. You know, it's so this normal. is more track and trace than vaccination. Had the Sinopharm vaccine been offered to many people in China? Have you been offered the Sinopharm vaccine yet? We have been offered, but I haven't seen a lot of people have been vaccinated because I think people show little interest in it because they think stay here is very safe they don't need to be vaccinated so there isn't a date for a national vaccination. Fascinating because of course uh, in the west the lockdown and track and trace systems have been possibly less efficient than that in China and so that much more is obviously resting on the success of uh, vaccines. But just to come back to the whole energy aspect of this, of course, since um, China's economy got back underway in April, May, energy consumption seems to be roaring back. We've seen a real rally on crude in the last few weeks. Backwardation, the premium of prompt to forward crude pricing, signaling, I guess, tightness in the market has come back into crude pricing, especially on the Dubai market. Um, But even in the Atlantic Basin, we've seen Brent futures at a premium to Dubai swaps again. How much of this is down to Chinese buying, would you say? It seems evident that China contributed a lot in recent purchases spree that supported the differentials on spot market. So uh, we all know that the oil demand has been significantly affected globally this year by the coronavirus. 
while China can be seen as the only sole country whose apparent oil demand even rose from last year, instead of falling as a result of the impact. One of the clearest, uh, clearest way of quantifying Chinese demand is through the the delivered extra differentials that Argus assessed for the crude traded to China. Because we see now currently the DS differentials are at five months high right now. And now we see the how strong the global demand is. So it's really a good, you know, good way to reflect the, the Chinese demand. And are you seeing are you seeing that is that translating into demand for any particular grades out of China? Yes, it is. We that's down to the huge amount of Brazilian GP who has a, a high diesel yields and also a Johan's Valjob trading to China for delivery in January and February. And we see like uh, Johan's Valjob, there's over uh, a record of 500,000 barrel per day traded for delivery to China in February. That's wow. even exceeded the Norway's planned production uh, at once. And that's presumably, um, you know, it's a huge drain on North Sea supply. What, what effect is that having on, I guess, differential pricing? Yeah, we see that all the, you know, the purchase spray from China, from India, from the European market has seems to have been a huge pull on the Atlantic basic crude from China. So we see brand futures have risen back above Dubai swaps, despite signs that the OPEC plus group will extend the production cards. And what about uh, China's demand for sour crude? Because it's traditionally been a very large market for, for sour crude. A lot of Mideast Gulf producers now very much have China in their sights. Uh, is there, are we seeing any, any kind of increase in demand for sour crude out of China? We see that Rongsheng has played a major role uh, in the global market, especially the South grade, because it has started to hit the market. It purchased a lot of crude, mainly the South grades, for delivery uh, in December, January, and February. So, which also, you know, affected the South grade prices on global market. So, all this crude is is heading to China. Um, mm. I mean, it occurs to me that Chinese stock levels became a problem over the summer. China has a very, very large storage system, but it appeared to run out of storage capacity over the summer. With all of the world's crude seemingly heading east again, are storage constraints going to be a problem over winter as well? I think it will not be a problem again that the storage constraint will you know, go very high that will run out of the China's tank space again. Because we will have new additional tank space. This quarter we will have over 50 million barrel. It's about 53 million barrel of additional tank space to open. And the most significant one is the the Sinopec Ran Zhenjiang SPR is about 32 million barrel. So it's in Guangdong province. That's a big storage site. People love a Chinese SPR site. That's a that's a big potential repository for crude. Yeah, because it can help to uh, tap China to store more crude. Because now you can see that in November we see 
the onshore crude looks like raising again. So there are concerns, as you, you talked, you mentioned, the, there will be concerns that the inventory will be run out again. But from my viewpoint, I think, although the inventory increasing, but crude throughput are very high. Like in October, the Chinese crude throughput stayed about 14 million barrels per day. That's a fifth consecutive month. So I think for lots of the year, Chinese refinery rise higher than the U.S. range this year, which has, you know, led China to become the biggest globally refiner that all the crude are heading to Asia and especially to China. So China has overtaken even the US in terms of its refinery runs. More crude is being refined in China now. Potentially that's a kind of powerful indication of how the two countries have handled COVID-19 differently. And obviously there are still some very distressing numbers of infection rates and deaths coming out of the US. But I suppose one of the things I'm curious about is a lot of crude is being refined in China. Is it all being consumed in China? What is product demand like? What is gasoline demand, diesel demand like? Because, of course, the amount of product that's being consumed by an economy is usually a very powerful indicator of the underlying health of that economy. Is it all being consumed in China? Uh, no, actually, no. I think currently the product storage also very high. And this year, I think the gasoline margins uh, is weaker than the diesel margins. So that's why we see the state-owned enterprises, they prefer to export more gasoline than diesel. Potentially a problem for the rest of the world's refiners, right? Yeah, that's true. But for Sanopec, I think because they have the advantage of state-owned, uh, of the uh, gas oil stations, which can help them to earn more money. So like in its key markets of East and South China, the Sanopec will keep its high runs, which will support its throughput rates because the margins. Like in Shandong, you see it's very hard because now from... Shandong uh, is the major, major refining hub in China. That's where all the refineries are, right? Yes, and you know, uh, currently, from most of the contacts, they decide that our margins has been retreated to negative. Uh, negative margins in China's margin. refining hub. Yeah. yeah A but, worrying sign. But they may not, you know, although the margin is negative, but it's maybe very hard to the independent families to take maintenance around the spring festival. They usually take maintenance in April and May. So, right. although we After see. the Lunar New Year. Yes, yes. Although we see the differentials rose sharply, but they have to buy to meet the immediate demand. So it's becoming a more competitive crude market, I guess. More demand coming back into the market. So how does that leave us in China looking at 2021? I mean, what is the state of demand like? Are we going to see China uh, still as the largest source of incremental demand in the global oil market? Yeah, as we mentioned, the independent refinery will not take maintenance around the spring festival. So from that part, there will be demand from the private sectors. And from the state-owned enterprises, I think 
like Petrochina, like Sinopec, they will continue to run their refineries harder, and they have to seek to hit the annual operating target. Besides this, I think there's also another factor that will support the oil demand is the expansion of new capacity. Because it's amazing to think that China. Sorry, I'm, I'm sorry. It's amazing to think that China's adding refining capacity while elsewhere in the world refineries are having to shut. Next year, we will see a you know a huge refinery. Uh, it's uh, Shenhong, the the three hundred twenty thousand barrel per day Shenhong refinery, and Xinhai will also double its capacity. So we will see the refining capacity from Asia Pacific. From Asia, will account for about forty-five percent of the total global growth uh, processing capacity, and most will come from China. This will also support the oil demand, I think, from Chinese part, and also with more vaccine used globally, I think the global demand on oil and as well as products will also support, you know, the consumption. Support the class. That's a, a, I guess, a relatively encouraging note to end on. I think that's all we've got time for. But thank you very much for sharing your insights with us, Xiang. For more insight analysis and a plethora of Chinese data, such as crude import volumes, apparent demand, refinery runs, margins, crude storage capacity, consider subscribing to our Argus China Petroleum Service. You can find more information on this service at www. ArgusMedia.com. Thanks for tuning in, and we look forward to your joining us on the next episode of the Crude Report.